Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. Claire Norell is our guest today for Song of the Soul. I've looked for the right moment to include Claire and her music in this program for some time now because she has a voice, a tone, a flow that is deepening and healing and sometimes dancing. Claire is currently from Madison, Wisconsin, where she offers, among other things, yoga and sometimes dance in healing forms and bilingually in English and Spanish. The first recordings she did a couple decades ago were focused towards children, while her newest album, Islands of Possible Things, reaches right into the adult heart. Singer, healer, yoga teacher, and storyteller Claire Norell joins us today by phone from Madison, Wisconsin. Claire, it's wonderful to have you here today with me for Song of the Soul. Thank you, Mark. I'm happy to be here. You know, I think your name was suggested to me as someone to interview more than 10 years ago, which just proves that I'm very slow and deliberate and thoughtful, I think. (laughs) It also could be that you're pretty busy. I am quite busy, yes. And this album that we're going to be talking about, I actually started in 2004, and it took me till 2018 to finish it. So there you have it. Oh, so you are a very thoughtful person. Where does that thoughtfulness... Where does that thoughtfulness come from? Is it actually perfectionism? Is it a full life that it's hard to balance things? Is it something else? No, I'd say a full life and being just a slow thinker. I'm a slow person. And I'm a very busy slow person, so yeah, the combination. Well, you're doing a lot of things at the same time. Yoga is a big part of your life. What's been your trajectory in terms of yoga? Well, a surprising, or I've been surprised by it, I guess. I started practicing yoga maybe around 2003. I didn't expect to like it. I avoided it for a long time and kind of accidentally got into it and found that it was very healing for a lot of symptoms of trauma that I had been living with. So I started practicing more and then in 2007, trained to be a yoga teacher and since then I've focused more and more on, on working with people who have difficult emotional and spiritual challenges, I guess, and um, using yoga as a way to work with that. It intrigues me that you said you didn't think you'd like yoga, that you avoided it for a long time. <laughs> Was it knocking at your door pretty heavy or everybody saying, oh, I really think this would be you, and you say, uh-huh. No, <laughs> not at all. No, I took a world dance class from a Martha Vincent, who is a dance teacher in Madison, And I loved the dance that we did in that class with music from all over the world. And she would start the classes with a little bit of yoga, and I would come late to avoid the yoga. (laughs) 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 And it went on for about a year like that. And then bit by bit, I started doing more of the yoga. Eventually, when Martha moved away from town, a friend and I began to lead those sessions and lead yoga at the beginning. And then I began to be trained to teach yoga after that. 
So it really was, it was very reluctant for me, but I found that it was actually one of the most helpful things. It took a lot of the anxiety and depression that I had lived with. I actually had the impression that yoga would call to you, and it, it surprises me that it didn't. Mm-hmm. We have some Quaker connections, so I know that meditation or sitting in silence, that kind of introspective thing is pretty natural to you too, right? Yeah, I know I love Quaker meetings. I love meditation. You know, it's different for each person who has trauma in their background, but for a lot of people who have complex trauma in particular, it can feel really threatening to pay attention to how you feel in your body and to slow down and and work with your body through yoga. Um, you know, for some people it's just a natural fit, but for others it's not. And for me, I think there was a lot of cultural ideas about what yoga was or, you know, just, I don't know what it was, a lot of reluctance. And then it was only because I found it so effective and so helpful that I began to get into it. Well, we'll ask you some more about that. But folks, you can check out Claire Norell's yoga and songs and her storytelling on ClaireNorell.com. Claire is C-L-A-R-E. Norell is N O R. E-L-L-E. And the link, of course, is on NordenSpiritRadio.org. Any confusion, just come by NordenSpiritRadio.org. You'll find your way to Claire. So, Claire, why don't we start off with some of your music right now? You finally, after, I don't know what, 14 years in Genesis, (laughs) you finally released your recording. So I should say, I did release another one in between. I released one in 2009, Peace of the Earth, I released in 2009. This one's called Islands of Possible Things, and it's, I guess it's a little more personal than the one that I released in 2009, and a lot of songs that that I wrote for myself. I don't know. I don't know if that's quite the right thing to say, because I don't ever write just for myself, but it was just personal in a different way than the one that I put out in 2009. And some of the songs, like Islands of Possible Things in particular, was one that I started recording around 2004, 2005. So some of the tracks on it are from that long ago, and then some of them are from this past year. So this recording is Island of Possible Things. There was Peace of the Earth before, and there was Good Things Grow. Tell me about Good Things Grow. (laughs) So I released a couple of children and family albums. One was in the early 90s. That was Good Things Grow. And then the other one, I think it was around 2002, I put out The Same Earth Holds Us All after I'd moved to Madison. So those are the two albums that I made for kids and families specifically. And then with your transition to yoga, there's a, a change in the quality too. It's not all happy, upbeat things for children. It, there is a real tendency to either make it a lullaby for kids or there's this kind of upbeat, you know, hip, hip, hooray kind of thing that we do for kids a lot because they go faster than we do. <laughs> Well, I think there's also a lot of stereotypes that people have about what music for kids is or can be. So certainly I've tried not to write either of, you know, exclusively either of those kinds of things. I think both of my albums for families have a couple, one or two songs that deal with loss and death because that's a part of my experience in life and a lot of kids go through that. And so in both of the, the kid and family albums that I made, I try to have some songs that deal with things that children deal with in ways that can work for kids, you know, for processing and feeling and being in their lives. Yeah, so sometimes, like, I have a lot of respect for kids. I love 
I love kids and not in a treacly kind of over-idealistic kind of way. I just, I get a lot of nourishment out of being around children and kind of, you know, there's a lot about how they are in the world that can be pretty real. And I try to support that and reflect it back to them when I work with kids in music or as a preschool teacher, which I've done in the past, or, you know, in other, any way that I end up working with children. It's really important to me not to pigeonhole them or see them in a limited way. So I would say with the two albums for kids, too, I try not to do that. Well, I'll just point out that neither one of them seems to be listed on your website, and that seems a little bit of an oversight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, administration isn't my forte. <laughs> I can get them on there. <laughs> Well, yeah. let's go for some of your music. Yeah, so I was thinking we could start with Fishtown because it's the song with the oldest Genesis you know, on the album. Um, I started writing it in 1988 and, you know, finished some updates on it in this year. <laughs> so it's about a 30-year song, right? It's, it's getting mature now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, so Fishtown, that's where I thought we could start. And why is it included? Because it's old, but that's not the total reason. If you've stayed with it for 30 years, there must be something compelling in it for you. Yeah, for me, it's a song that resonates a lot, and it's important. It's, it's about, for me, it's about finding those places of peacefulness and balance in the midst of a world that can have a lot of violence and harshness. And so it's about this place on the Skagit River in Washington State, where there used to be a beautiful old-growth forest. Um, once the, the Skagit people, the Upper Skagit Indian Tribe and the Lower Skagit Indian Tribe lived on those lands, I began going there in the late 80s, like in around 1987, 88, with some friends. And it was around the 70s, it became a sort of an artist's colony. And so I don't know the history of when the Skagit people were moved off that land, upriver, the upper Skagit tribe was moved upriver along the Skagit, the lower Skagit Indian tribe, from what I understand, now lives on Fidalgo Island nearby in Puget Sound. But somewhere in the 70s, people, I think mostly Anglo-white people, started going to Fishtown, but people kind of living on the fringes of society without much money began building little shacks along the river in Fishtown, and it became a sort of an artist colony with poets and visual artists and a range of people living there for a number of decades. Is that right? Yeah, no, I think I said that wrong. Not for a number of decades. Maybe for about two decades there were people living in Fishtown. I think some people still live there, but I wrote this song in 1988. A year or two after that, the old-growth forest was cut down, and people were evicted. Most of the people who had been living in the shacks along the river were evicted. It's sort of, I don't know, it haunts my life, Fishtown, in some ways, even though I only had brief contact with it for a number of, I think it was just a number of months I was going down there with friends before I left Washington State. It's just one of those many places in our lives, you know, where you, you can find peacefulness, a connection with nature, a connection with other human beings, with yourself, and then sometimes those places are taken away. And we used to go down there, and, and I just remember walking there, and the, you know, especially in the autumn, and it's the sound of the leaves and the smell of the trees and nature, and then 
the people who were living along the river, really interesting people. But then periodically overhead, we would hear these military jets flying over. There's a, a naval air base on Whidbey Island right nearby, and so you'd hear these what to me were very threatening-sounding jets flying overhead, or sometimes you'd hear people shooting rifles, you know, hunters in the forest. So that juxtaposition of those places of peacefulness and connection with sounds of, of kind of the harsher elements of life or the threat, the threat of the threat that we feel in our world at the same time. So for me, that has all, you know, it's sort of resonated for 30 years since I used to go to Fishtown. Let's all travel to Fishtown with Claire Norell for today's Song of the Soul, Fishtown. We go down to Fishtown in the mist and autumn light To gather leaves and feathers to line our winter pockets And underneath the cedars, moss and wood smoke mingle Pull us into shadows by the edges of the river Where the sculptor with his blackened pipe Has built a ship of dreams The silversmith has taken this And added precious things And they tell of winding waterways They're setting forth and moving on The stormlight on a distant sea Shines in their eyes in Fishtown We go down to Fishtown Seeking refuge from the noise Rising on the river A heron lifts her wings We spread our arms in wonder As she flies into the wind And high above the Skagit We've long lived on the land We find simple dwellings And towers through the vines From the people of the cities Who've wandered out of time There are visions in the undergrowth And sunlight trickles on You talk of writing poems I talk of writing songs Down in Fishtown
journey over to an area in Washington State. Fishtown is the song. It's by Claire Norell. 30 years or whatever it is in gestation uh, leads to a really good song, which is why it finally was released by Claire on her 218 recording, Islands of Possible Things. How long were you living in Washington State, Claire? I lived in Bellingham, Washington, off and on for eight years. I spent some of those eight years traveling around Europe as a street musician, and then I would come back and be in Bellingham. And so it was near the end of that time when I started going down to Fishtown with some friends. Well, let's dive right into another song, because we want to get through all of it before the end of the broadcast. Where would you like to go now? I was thinking maybe I'll go the T. The T, the U in that, is that a particular person, or is it some particular persons, or is it a conceptual U? It's kind of all of the above. So I wrote this when I was living in Putla, Oaxaca, in Mexico, with my husband at the time and our two oldest children, who were little people, four and two years old. We had some neighbors who lived across the plaza from us in Putla. The father of the family, he was a a teacher trainer at a nearby teacher college. He had three kids, and his wife had been living in the United States for two years. Because even though he was working as a professional, he couldn't bring in enough money for the kids to have clothes and enough food to eat and books for school. And so she'd been away from her kids for two years. And I never met this woman. I knew the father and the three kids living in Putla. But I was a mother with, you know, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And it really impacted me to think of her living so far from her family in order for them to have the basics of what they needed. And we had gone to Oaxaca so that my husband could study the impacts of NAFTA and immigration on families and education in the mountains of Oaxaca. And that's part of what we were seeing was just, you know, really the devastation of the economy and how hard it was for people to just have really the basic things that they needed. So... What I was writing about was imagining this woman living in the United States, being far from her kids, and what that might be like for her, how she might think of her children. I wrote it in Spanish and also in English. So it's, you know, there's, it alternates verses in Spanish and then in English. And my idea with doing that is I just wanted people in the United States to think about the price that people pay sometimes to just, just to have a decent life for their kids and what it might be like for people living in this country. Many of, you know, many of the families we were working with in Mexico, they had family members they loved and missed who were living up in the United States, and it was very hard for them to be separated. So it's really back in 1997, you know, I was thinking about the separation of families by the relationship between the U.S. and Mexico. And the artist is Claire Norell, and the song is Agoditi. You 
just beyond my door And I'm tired in the evening I can smell the rain Drifting through my window with the gentle scent of dreams In the quiet of the Both in Spanish and in English, there's algo de ti, 
by Claire Norell, website clairenorell.com, links on nordenspiritradio.org. If you know Claire Norell personally, I probably don't need to spell her name for you, and besides that, you're a very fortunate person, and we're getting to know her here today for Song of the Soul. Uh, This is Song of the Soul, which is a Northern Spirit Radio production. NorthernSpiritRadio.org is our website, place for links and further information, song lists, all of that. It's on the site, place to post comments. Please do. We like to hear from you. And there's a donate button, and this is full-time work that is supported only by listener donations. Please support us by clicking donate, and even more important, support your local community radio stations. Claire Norell is down in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, That's down for me, maybe up for you, wherever you're listening to us from across the United States. But they have a, a super community radio station there. Wart is pretty excellent, and uh, these kind of radio stations all over the U.S. bring local music and programming alternatives to corporate or even public radio media, and I usually like public radio a lot, but on the other hand, independent stations like Wart and other community radio stations that carry this program, they do such a good job of filling in all the parts that get edited out of the wavelengths by other interests. So remember to support them first. Uh, again, we just listened to Algo de Ti by Claire Norell. And uh, how long were you living down in Mexico and how fluent are, is your Spanish? It sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> I think my Spanish is pretty fluent. It gets rusty when I'm out of practice, but we lived there for a year, but I've also lived and traveled in different areas of South America and in Spain. And I worked as a Spanish translator for a while for the public schools here in Madison. You were describing for Algo de Ti that you were really thinking about your neighbor and his wife who's far away. Have you had to live that way ever, far away from your loved ones? Not so much. No, I think it's more that I've known and cared about people who live like that or have lived like that. That's really where the connection is for me. And I was thinking about my neighbor, but even more, I was thinking about his wife, whom I didn't know. And just as a parent, thinking about living that far from your kids for that long so that you can support them and what that would be like. I feel very blessed that I didn't ever have to do that while I was raising my kids. That is a challenging thing. And actually, I had to do a bit of it, kind of. Uh, when my first wife and I separated and she moved from Eau Claire back down to Milwaukee where we'd lived before, mm. I had been very involved in my son's life and all of a sudden it was every other weekend I could see him. And yeah. just, that was quite a big challenge. It's, it's pretty heartbreaking, but it's one of the challenges one faces when relationships get remixed. Right, Yep. I feel really lucky, I, like I said, that I never had to live far from my kids. Until now. <laughs> now as they're adults. <laughs> and it's already, you know, it's still hard, even though they're adults. Where are they? I have a son in Portland, Oregon, and a daughter who spent the last year traveling the world and is now down working on the border with no more deaths, taking water out into the desert for people crossing and a son who is um, in McAllister College in St. Paul. Oh, you've got one almost within arm's reach. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. 
I may have driven by your son just this past weekend. I was in St. Paul, and I went to the St. Paul Friends Meeting House, which is just a couple blocks from McAllister. Oh, cool. So I didn't see him. I didn't. He didn't wave to me <laughs> as I went by. <laughs> I like St. Paul. I've, I actually have never really spent time there until my son started going to McAllister. It's a, it's a really interesting city, Minneapolis as well. There's a lot of wonderful stuff there, and as is there in Madison, where you lived now for a long time. What took you to Madison? My husband at the time, Jeffrey Lewis, he got a job at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and that was in 2000, and raised our kids here ever since. Well, let's just continue on your song of the soul, more of the music of your soul. What's up next? I was thinking, I'm just going chronologically here. So I was thinking Islands of Possible Things. And again, I told you I started recording that in 2004, but I actually originally wrote it in 1991. Is that right? Oh, so that's not chronological. This would be back before Algo DT. Oh, well. You've already said you're not an administrator, so we, you don't yeah. have to. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Thank you very much. <laughs> so going back to 1991, living in Eugene, Oregon, I was thinking a lot about climate change and the possibility. I, I can't remember if I was pregnant when I wrote this song. I was about to be pregnant, if not pregnant at the time. I think I actually was pregnant when I wrote this. And I had thought a lot about climate change for years and about whether or not to have kids in relation to that. And obviously I decided to. And I'm very happy, happy, happy that I did. But I was thinking about climate change, and a musician whose name I can't remember now approached me about writing lyrics to an incredible guitar piece that he had written. He was just a really good guitarist. So I wrote the lyrics from this song to different music for this incredible guitarist. Left it there for a number of years, so I sang it. I think we... I don't even remember. I don't know if we ever, ever made a recording together or not. I don't think so. And then I revived it a number of years later. I wanted to start playing it because I liked the lyrics. And, you know, it's a topic that was kind of interesting to me, obviously. Uh, but I could not play guitar anything like this person had. So I rewrote the music entirely to go with the lyrics after that. And I've been, so I've been playing it since probably the late 90s. Started recording it 2004. Ed Feeney did this great bass part on it. He's a bassist here in Madison. Yami Stinlayson from, from Milwaukee put some percussion on. And then it just stayed on my computer for years and years and years while I worked, you know, several jobs at a time and raised my kids. So it was just, it was just hanging out, waiting to have something done with it. So the song is Islands of Possible Things. By Claire Norell. Looking through a broken window in the dizzy light I see bridges burning as days are driven by The city is a tangled vision, blinding in the glare I would like to open up Shore, breathing the air 
has a penchant for the mystical, for things that float in the air, I think. I have a feeling of a harmonic vibration that's a bit above the earth, but that song is Islands of Possible Things. It's title track for her newly released album. The link for clarinorell.com is on nordenspiritradio.org. Climate change. Back in 1991, people forget how long we've been focusing on this, and there's still people not catching up with the message. It's kind of a little bit crazy. It's a little crazy. And a number of those islands are in danger of going underwater and becoming subterranean or submarine. I guess is the yeah. Right I was going to think it's not subterranean. What would the word be? <laughs> a submarine. Underwater. Yeah. There you go. I don't really have a clear sense of you. I mean, I I know there's many, many facets of Claire Norell. I mean, besides having been an elementary school teacher, active with Green Party or into couch surfing or writing music or storytelling. <laughs> You've been Googling. You've totally been Googling. <laughs> so I have not been an elementary school or teacher. Or we though. have common friends, too, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I was a. I off and on, I've worked as a preschool teacher, but not in. I was in elementary schools. I worked as a bilingual resource specialist, which is BRS, like a Spanish translator and person to work supporting Spanish-speaking families in the schools. So there's a lot of facets of you. Is there much of you that is, shall we say, political? I was thinking of the Green Party connection in particular. I guess I don't have a sense for what is political and what isn't. I'm interested in working in ways that decrease suffering in the world and that prevent suffering and that increase well-being and balance and good connections between people and people in the natural world, the rest of the rent, the rest of the natural world, you could say that. Part of you is very clearly and when I was talking about this sense of something floating. There's also this spiritual overtones to virtually everything that you do. What has been your spiritual journey? <laughs> Again, I guess I don't separate spiritual from political or life. <laughs> so for me, what? I, I was raised Unitarian. Certainly I was around people who identified as pagan in the 80s and 90s to some extent. But then also in the 90s, I began, I was practicing Quaker for maybe about 15 years. My connection with Quakerism is a little bit uh, less practicing <laughs> at this point. Like I still connect with Quaker values a lot and a lot of Buddhist values as well and various forms of mindfulness meditation. All of the forms of yoga that I teach are really centered in a kind of mindfulness because I think that it can help us be present to each other and to ourselves in life and beyond, you know, beyond ourselves as well. So I would say another influence is that in the 90s, early 90s, for about 10 or 12 years, I had also a lot of connection with um, Nastaka, which was a Jesuit center on the Oregon coast. And there were a wide range of people who came through there Jesuits and others, of not all Catholics, but just that was certainly a formative place as well for my spiritual journey or however you want to think of it, you know, for my sense of connection. Do you have a sense of yourself as a monastic ever? Hmm. <laughs> it's always appealed. It does appeal. I thought it might. 
I mean, it's that's part of the themes that I I see in your life, of course. But folks, if you want to find out a very practicing part of Claire Norell's life, just go to clairenorell.com. Claire is C-L-A-R-E, and Norell is N-O-R-E-L-L-E. And the link's on nornspiritradio.org to clairenorell.com. Let's do another song, Claire. Share it with folks. Okay, so how about now in some other universe? And that was written in 2013. Well, now talking about it. The name of the, the name of the song is In Some Other Universe, and I wrote it in 2013. And when did you start playing the banjo? <laughs> so that's the old, well, well, no, I have a few kids songs where I play banjo, but I don't consider myself a banjo player at all. The reason specifically that I play the banjo on that song is because I inherited a banjo that had belonged to my father and my brother, and my brother died in eight, uh, 1985. And so there's a, a big piece of my life has been shaped by my brother's life and his death in 1985. And so this banjo belonged to him, and it belonged to my dad as well. And in 2013, when I wrote this song, you know, I had been in some ways mourning the loss of my brother for decades, and my dad at the time was getting into, you know, his physical condition was pretty bad. He'd had a major stroke in 2007 and been half paralyzed, and it was just, it was a struggle kind of staying alive for the years after that. And so I was thinking about both of them, but especially my brother, I also work a lot with grieving families, so I was also thinking about, you know, we lose people, and what, how do we make meaning out of that? How do we continue to connect to the love we feel for them, even after they're gone? And so that's where this song came from. I, I've written a lot of songs that have to do with grief and loss, just because it's, it's had a place in my life. But this was the first song I wrote where I said, I'll be okay. I said that at the end of the song, and I... I kind of finally felt like it, (laughs) like we can have these terrible losses and still be shaped by them. It's not like it's something I will ever forget, and I can continue to live and be okay. So it was sort of a new step, I guess, in the process of grieving the many people I've lost, but in particular my brother and, and my father. In Some Other Universe, Claire Norell. Small 
something of a breakthrough, I guess, for Claire Norell in her perceiving of grieving, the steps to it. When you get past grieving, not that you don't feel sadness, but where you can actually feel the bigger truth of the universe, I guess I would say. No one's ever really gone. Mm-hmm. That sense, yeah. So thank you for sharing that, Claire. You're welcome. And that is on her newly released CD, Islands of Possible Things, in some other universe, that one song. And she's got lots of other recordings, but she's very, I guess, uh, reluctant or disorganized so that she can't share (laughs) peace of the earth, good things grow, and all these (laughs) One day I'll get them on the website. I just haven't gotten there yet. We're just hoping it. we don't have to wait until it's in some other universe. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go on to one final song. How can we finish off your Song of the Soul, Claire? Um, this last one is called Song of the Water, and I wrote it New Year's Eve of 2014, and I recorded it the next morning and sent it out to a bunch of friends, and I wrote this note to go with it. For Christmas, I received Rebecca Solnit's book of essays, The Far Away Nearby. I was especially interested when I reached the part of Solnit's book where she writes about labyrinths and sound. So she wrote, Anatomists long ago named the windings of the inner ear, whose channels provide both hearing and balance, the labyrinths. The name suggests that if the labyrinth is a passage through which sound enters the mind, then we ourselves bodily enter labyrinths as though we were sounds on the way to being heard by some great unknown presence. To walk this path is to be heard. The snail shell labyrinth of the inner ear is called the cochlea. Fluids that fill the cochlea resonate with and are moved by the sound waves from the air and so send their messages to the mind. You could say that music lives in the sound waves as they travel through the air, but without their journey through the spiral of liquids in the inner ear, the music would be created and received and perceived very differently. So reading Solnit's book made me think about all of us as sound waves traveling through different states, about the fluid and changing nature of our living, and about our journeys as a kind of music, about the yearning to create and have our life music be heard along the way. And that's the origin of the song called Song of the Water. And... It's got a pretty lively chorus to it, and the other part I would describe a kind of deeper meditative. I, I mean, I, I would even say that the chorus has something of a sense of dancing on the water, dancing on the waves. Mm-hmm. Good. Isn't it nice when what you write actually comes through the music? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. So we are going to finish today's visit with Claire Norell with her song, Song of the Water. Again, Claire's website is clairenorell.com. The link's on nordenspiritradio.org. You'll track her down for a lot of things, for storytelling and for yoga and for music and and many more ways of connecting and 
dealing with relationships in the world. So ClaireNorell.com is where you want to go for that. Claire, thank you so much for joining me, for doing the ongoing healing in the world, uh, for the mission statement for Northern Spirit Radio. We specifically talk about wanting to promote world healing voices, and you're certainly one of them. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. And so again, folks, we end with Song of the Water for Song of the Soul today. We'll see you next week for Song of the Soul, Song of the Water, Claire Norell.
Claire Norell's final song today was Song of the Water. Claire asked me to acknowledge and thank the musicians who helped her to create this album, especially Maury Smith, Scott Caldwell, and Matthew Sanborn, who worked with her on the project on and off over several years. Also, Kevin Clark, Leora Fitzman, Jacoba Epstein, Ed Feeney, Bessberg, and James Finlayson. My appreciation goes to Andrew Jansen for production assistance today, and we'll see you all next week for Song of the Soul. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org, guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helpsmeet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.